0: This week's episode, the Sparty Lab podcast, is also available as a video interview. If you'd rather watch the video, the link to it, as well as any other videos we might have uploaded, are in the description below. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to the Sparty Cast. All right. I'm so pleased to be here with Dr. Sonny Rosenthal for episode three of the Sparty Lab podcast. We are going to be talking about instructor's social presence in e-learning, focusing on a paper that Dr. Rosenthal, I'm just going to call you Sonny, uh, <laughs> published last year, Experiencing Live Composite Video Lectures, Comparisons with Traditional Lectures and Common Video Lecture Methods, uh, published in the International Journal for the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning. So Sonny, great to have you. Thank you for being here. What time is it in Singapore?
1: Uh, it's it's 140 in the afternoon. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for have, having me here. If you're going to call me Sonny, I'm going to call you Robbie.
0: Touché, and uh, it's nine, nine 40 p.m. here, so we're on different sides of the world. But I spent my sabbatical in Singapore. I met Sonny because he had a motorcycle helmet in his office, and I was like, Oh, this guy's cool. And it turned
1: out we had more than that in common, right? Actually, actually, that's that's not where we originally met. I think maybe that's where I truly piqued your interest, and that's your memorable moment. But, oh, but <laughs> a rule chib <laughs> introduced us in the corridor just outside his office. You were strolling down, and he said, Oh, hey, Sonny. Uh, I, I want you to, to meet someone. This is, this is Robbie. Wow, I see. And, and you were wearing like a t-shirt and baggy shorts and sneakers. And I was like, <laughs> who is this grad student? And, <laughs> and and then we started talking and I'm like, wait, this guy's a professor. I can tell. And then we talked more and I was like, I bet he has tenure too. There, <laughs> there, I go making assumptions based on first That's impressions. Funny. Well, I often, uh pull that one on
0: people when they see me on my skateboard riding through the lecture hall and they're like who is this crazy guy
1: but yeah yeah, yeah.
0: but you know we've we have a lot in common in our research interests um and you were also an amazing guide to me in Singapore teaching me a bit about the beer scene and uh the eat the sports scene um so thank you for that and yeah you're I, welcome. And, you know to ice that cake you're our guest lecturer our esteemed um, colleague here who we're really excited to learn about you know, this topic. So, so why don't you just tell me about that publication to start off with?
1: Um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background first. I, I like watching videos on YouTube and I watch a lot of videos on, on science and, and math. And one of my favorite YouTube channels is called Mathologer. There's a mathematician named Brookard Polster who's at Monash University, and he makes these really engaging talks about mathematical principles. And, and his videos are engaging because he has a lot of energy, and he really knows what he's talking about, and he picks interesting topics. But there's also something special about the format he uses. I w- Watching him, it's a, it's a video of him, and he stands off to one side of the frame, and there's a white background. And then over in the space next to him, is content, like slide content. And it's as if it's projected in the space next to him. Uh, The background you're seeing is his actual background. So it's not a green screen. He's not standing in front of a green screen and it's overlaid, it's the the contents there right next to him in the frame. And something else I noticed is he's interacting with that content in real time. Uh, So he's able to click with a normal lecture presenter and click through the content. And so it's, it's over next to him and it's kind of in the same space as him. And I also noticed when he's presenting, he's, he's looking over at a, a monitor that's off screen. And so he's able to monitor what he's doing in real time. So there's like a live video of him with his content in real time while he clicks through it and he can watch that. So he's able to interact with the content. He's fully aware of what's in like floating in the space next to him. And I thought that was so cool. I, I emailed him about it uh, almost exactly five years ago. I, I checked my email and he never replied. Uh, I, think he's just a, I think he's just a busy professor. He, he, he never replied, So I, I had to figure out how it was done and, and eventually I, I figured it out. And I've created video tutorials about this. If, if you check out Mathologer and you like his style, you can learn about it if you go to my YouTube channel, Lecture Size. L-E-C-T-U-R-E-C-I-S-E, it's like exercising, but with a lecture. And I've created some tutorials. I also have some of my, uh, some content I use for my coursework, uh, which I've uploaded there. So I, I've i called it the live composite video technique. Um, maybe Dr. Polster calls it something else or his production crew calls it something else. But it's, I find it like so engaging and I, I put a lot of effort into developing this because Intuitively, it's way more engaging. Once you've seen a video using this format, you're like, wow, that's the way video lectures need to be done. Of course, my own experience isn't a good basis of drawing scientific conclusions, right? That's just anecdotal evidence. Oh, I I like it, it feels good. I needed to to verify if indeed students learn more or at the very least, they do enjoy it more. I find it a very engaging uh, method but maybe students don't. I wanted to find out. So I did a couple of experiments and those are what appear in that in that article in the International Journal. Can I pause for you the, for one yeah, second? Sure. I just feel like um, irony abounds
0: here. I mean, we're doing this as a podcast, but we're also going to yeah. put the uh, recording up online. Can I just share my screen to show yeah. you yeah. doing a little bit of this right now for <laughs> yeah, the viewers at home? Yeah. So um, sure. yeah, here you are talking about the environment and you're looking at the content, it's on your right, but you're standing in front of, I guess, um, a background that's just that's, the, the same that's just color. the wall,
1: that's this wall, um, just with different lighting. Um, oh, I have, really? I have, okay. I have like a bunch of studio lights in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my, uh, like normally I use this big honk and ring light. Okay. Um, and then I have some backdrop lighting. It's just lighting the back wall. I have a, I've got a whole recording studio in here. So yeah, I, I make these recordings in here. I have a, a nice mirrorless uh, Panasonic camera. Mm-hmm. Mounted up on my stand, I've got I've got all kinds of stuff in here. Um, okay. But yeah, what yeah, what you can see there. Oh yeah, you can see a couple tutorials there. There's the introduction, and then there's a how-to guide, and um, yeah, it just it's just a little background on on how this works. So that video, that introduction, I made with the camera I'm using right now. So my um, I just have a Logitech C920 <laughs> is what I'm using right now for this for this video or okay. for this up. Uh, yeah this video we're doing now um, yeah so if you're watching if you're watching this instead of listening to it you can you can, you can see even with this webcam there's pretty good quality and and you can achieve a, a pretty and if nice. If you're effect. watching
0: this right now, you're watching a video of us talking about a video of you watching
1: a video of
0: yourself teaching us
1: stuff in this format, which is.
0: And if if you're watching if metal. you're
1: watching this, that's confusing enough. If you're listening, you probably have no idea of what's going no on. Idea. So so you should probably watch this video. Yeah.
0: I should have probably made a decision to go with podcast or vidcast. Um, maybe there'll be insights here
1: about yeah. this podcast idea in general. But anyway, so, go on. Some, something about- something I've something I've discovered about the way I present when I'm doing these video lectures is I learn so much through trial and error. And so you you might discover that uh that kind of mixing podcast and video cast in one is, uh, is problematic or it might work out. Uh, so yeah, so continuing. So if you watch, if you're watching this, then you got a glimpse of what those videos are about. And, and, and you noticed, you would have noticed that I'm either looking into the camera or I'm looking over into the space where the content is. And, and that's something interesting. I'll, I'll be returning to that in, in a little while. Um, but yeah, I want to <laughs> talk about this study I, because th- that's like the next, next study. I'm going to talk about these first two studies mm-hmm. and then this idea of eye contact or where I'm looking, that's, that's the next development. But I want to start with this, this article in the international journal for the scholarship of, uh, of teaching and learning. Um, yeah. So I, I did a couple of experiments. The first was a between subjects experiment where uh, my collaborator, Zachary Walker, he's at university college, London, uh, in their, uh, school of education or something like that. It's the number one education school in the world. So like pretty good stuff. Um, So he and I created, we each created a lecture. His was about habits, good study habits. Mine was about the difference between correlation and causation. Yeah, my topic's way more boring, way more nerdy, but I think it's cool. And we developed these lectures. They were short. I think they were like five, six minutes each. And we memorized them. We scripted them and memorized them because we then brought participants into a research lab. And either we gave the lecture verbatim as was scripted. So we'd come into the room, give the lecture, leave the room. And then the graduate research assistant would uh, direct the students to take a follow-up survey. Or the students who were sitting at computers would watch a video lecture and they either watch the live composite version which is this fancy technique I've developed, or they would watch a voiceover where it was just the slide content with voice. So no image of the instructor. Uh, there was also a picture in picture. So slide content with a video of the instructor down in a corner. This is, I think the most common way video lectures are done. Uh, and then there was also a, a uh, lecture capture where the, the live lecture itself was recorded. Um, and so, so the participants watch these and then we asked them a bunch of questions about their satisfaction, their enjoyment, their preference for that format, their sense of instructor, social presence. Um, We also measured learning. We we found there weren't any differences in learning outcomes because we measured right after they finished the lecture. And so I think they all just remembered what they, the information they had just been exposed to. But in terms of the more experiential aspects, that's why if, if you look at the title of the article, it's Experiencing Live Composite Video Lectures because there were huge differences in the experience. Uh, the live lectures, the face-to-face lectures were generally superior to all the video lecture formats, uh, except for a couple of things. I think it was perceived quality and uh, instructor social presence, maybe. Um, th- there were a couple, uh, a couple of the measures were not better for the face-to-face lecture than for the live composite, and then the live composite was consistently better than all the other video lectures in terms of here. I, mean, I have this on my screen. I can just, I can just I see tell you what the results Perceived
0: quality were. was higher for live composite than face-to-face.
1: I mean, yeah, that's not a significant difference. It was like minusculely higher. But what's what's important or what's you know practically significant, what's meaningful, is that perceived quality was as good for live composite as for the face-to-face lecture. Um, one wasn't better than the other and that's, and that's great. And similarly for, oh, I guess it was format preference. That's, that's where they were also similar. So students really like the face-to-face lectures and they also really like the live composite lectures. And you know, it's, we didn't see any differences in learning outcomes, but heck, if students are enjoying it, why not pursue that approach. So, so that was study one, the between subjects experiment. In study two, I didn't, uh, uh, within subjects a repeated measures experiment where I created three lectures, uh, on a, uh, for my class on promoting sustainability. There was one week where my students were assigned three readings and I created a lecture on each of those readings There were chapters from a book. And I created, uh, three versions of each recording. There was the uh, voiceover, picture-in-picture and live composite. So I was just comparing among the video lecture formats uh, in a repeated measures experiment. So my students watched all three lectures using different formats, right? So they were exposed to three lectures, three different formats randomly. And yeah, then I analyzed the same outcome variables. I didn't measure learning outcomes because again, I didn't expect there to be any huge differences uh, but in terms of the experiential measures, the patterns were pretty much identical and like shockingly similar, which suggests the, the pattern of results is robust. I had two different samples of students, two different research approaches, and the patterns were, were quite similar. So if you look at my study, yeah, you'll, you'll see if you compare the results from study one and study two, um, it's, it's quite a stark similarity uh, between the so two why, studies. So why is live
0: composite so much better than all these other modes of recorded lecture
1: well one one thing i thought of is um the production quality might be a little bit higher that's that's why we're seeing such a a big difference in perceived quality um at least when the 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 there's an image of the instructor Um, For voiceover, there's no image of the instructor. So there's no quality issue there. There's no like degradation of quality when you're... like With picture-in-picture, you're cropping the video and putting it in the corner. And that probably affects the video quality. Um, But another thing that I think, and this is something I'd like to study, is that there's less of an attentional split. So when you have voiceover, there's slide content on the screen and the instructor's voice, there are these two different inputs. There's the visual input which is the slide content and there's the audio input, which is coming from somewhere else. It's related to what's on the screen, but it's, it's a different source and the brain has to process these two different streams. It gets even worse with picture in picture video, where the, the video of the instructor is down in the corner and they're visually separated. It's like there's this box around them and they're separate from the content. And there's been research showing that that divides learners' attention. With the live composite, it's putting the instructor and the content in the same space. And sure, the, the the audio from the instructor is still, you know, that's a different uh, uh, a different information source, a different stream of data, but it's now linked with the video because the instructor is one with the, the content. So I think that's a big part of it is just the seamlessness of presentation. So
0: what happens when the, so for voiceover, you don't have that disconnection, but you don't have any image of the instructor. Yeah. So it's a different reason than
1: I guess that kind of, Cognitive two-channel uh, confusion, um, but it, in in a sense, it, it still is that way because the instructor is separate from the content, but their voice is there, right? And so, I, I still think that leads to more distinct channels uh, of information processing versus the mm-hmm. live composite. Uh, now, I'm I'm speculating about the the voiceover issue there with the with the attentional split. Um, but yeah, definitely compared to picture-in-picture, picture, that that would be one explanation. And that's the explanation we offered. Yeah. I, I know um,
0: Annie Lang has written a bit about how the natural processing of audio only is just so funky. Like humans' brains are n- not designed, not evolved for processing audio without any image, right? So it leads to high levels of um, cognitive load. And so, um, uh,
1: yeah, she, she, could she be did, similar. Or, go she did the LC4MP, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and another one with many letters in the acronym. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so that was that was something we found and I'm I want to understand more about why these lectures are at least engaging. If if students aren't learning more, that's okay, I guess, if if they just learn well no matter what the format, fine. But if they can enjoy learning more, maybe that helps them, maybe that motivates them to engage with more information in the future. Uh, I watch a lot of the methodology videos in part because the videos are so engaging. If it were a much more boring presentation, I probably wouldn't watch more of the videos. And and then I wouldn't have that initial engagement. I mean, you have to engage first if you're gonna learn anything, right? Um, So yeah, so I want to work on this. And earlier I mentioned that in my videos, I'm either looking at the camera or I'm looking over at the content and here I'm gonna turn my camera a little bit. You can see I have this big screen over here to my side. And when I'm doing my live composite recordings, I have a live view of me with the content up over there. I use OBS Studio to achieve that effect. And it's just, I have OBS Studio up on that screen with the live preview. I also have a, where is it? I have a smartphone and let me let me show you what I have up here. If you're watching, you can see this. So this is my main camera, and it's just a it's a Panasonic Lumix G9. But then mounted in front of it is a Parrot teleprompter. And you know how teleprompters work? You put a screen in, and then you have like scrolling text, and you can you can read while you're looking straight at the camera. I don't use it for text. I put a smartphone in, and I use a. Uh, a network video adapter. It sends my computer's video signal through my Wi-Fi network to my smartphone, and I have a live video output in the teleprompter. So I'm able to watch over on the big screen a live view of me with the content, and I'm able to look right into the camera and watch a live view of me with the video content. Uh, so I'm, I can monitor the video in real time, and I'm looking either directly at the camera or at the content, because I'm looking at the screen, but the content's here. And if you watch my videos, you'll see it creates this illusion that I'm looking at the content. There's been some research looking at what's called um, guided gaze, G-A-Z-E, uh, by uh, a researcher named Zhangling Pi, or Pi Zhangling, if uh, you're getting the order of her name correct. Her family name is P. She's from, um, oh, I forget the university in China, but she's, she's actually affiliated with the National Institute of Education in Singapore. And I think she might be in Singapore right now. She's done some work on guided gaze where either the lecturer is looking directly at the camera or looking directly at the content, and there's there's have been some other manipulations of things like body positioning. But the consistent finding is looking at the content improves learning. It improves uh, um, retention, and um, oh, what what the what, what the other one is translation, something like that. There are a couple learning outcomes that she has demonstrated are better when the instructor is looking at the content. But if you watch my lectures, I I go back and forth a lot, and. I think that probably improves engagement because when I look at the camera, I'm making eye contact, right? Um, And then when I look at the the content, I'm engaging with the content. Now, if I'm always looking at the content, it focuses the learner's attention on the content. If I'm always looking at the camera, I lose that, but I gain this probably social connection. Uh, So the next study I'm going to be looking at, and this is a project, a grant funded project currently in development is to Uh, manipulate or to vary the ratio of eye contact versus content engagement. Um, And so we'll have one that's pure eye contact versus pure content engagement, something like uh, 75, 25, 50, 50, 75, or 25, 75. Um, That's our initial idea. And, And we'll see how important is eye contact for creating that instructor social presence and how important is the guided gaze for, result, uh, for creating positive learning outcomes? And then is there some ideal balance where learning can be enhanced and instructor uh, social presence and the experience of the lecture can be enhanced for maximal benefit? Um, I, I think it's not very engaging if the instructor is only looking at the content, right? And so the, I think there does need to be a little bit of back and forth. So what's, the, what's that ideal level? Uh, that, that's that's the next study. I'm
0: going to throw my hypothesis in the hat here, and I'm going to say um, which, which 60-40 okay. content to uh, engagement. Content. Okay. Um, but I would also look at our meteorologists. Like, there's got to be some embedded knowledge in that field, right, about, you know, am I looking at the map and showing the map versus looking at the screen? Like, um I, I don't know that's, where it, it wouldn't be in a publication, right? You'd have to go find someone in the industry and talk to them. Like, How do you learn this stuff? Right?
1: Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a good idea. We've already thought to do something that's kind of similar, uh, not for, not for understanding what is, what makes an effective presentation using what in uh, what is in that case, a green screen, um, Ah, uh, but we are doing a content analysis of recorded lectures at NTU. All of the big lectures at NTU get recorded automatically, and we're able to access those and do an analysis, looking at how much time the lecturer is looking at what's on the screen versus looking at the audience. What's and a DV? and um, well, no, it's it's just that we're just, uh, well, you're just we're just it's, describe it's it's descriptive, how much so see, yeah. we can so we can say that this condition. Uh, where it's maybe you know 60 40 mm-hmm. is most similar to how lecturers typically present
0: right how great would it be if you could somehow get an anonymized data set of uh, student ratings yeah. and match it up on that like uh <laughs> you have some privacy well what issues, what
1: but we no we there's, there's there's that's a good idea i'll run this by my my team um we know who the instructors well if we if we're going to content analyze a video we have to get the instructors permission to do that oh. we can access the video we can watch it but if we're going to use it for data collection we have to go through the normal IRB mm-hmm. procedure mm-hmm. if we know who the instructors are we can ask them would you mind sharing your feedback score for that class that semester just the aggregate score it's totally anonymous it's anonymous to them they don't know who the students were mm-hmm. and um yeah if they're willing to share if their scores weren't too low um, i yeah, think we I could wonder. we could do some correlations you yeah know, there, there, there 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 would be some response bias i think those who have pretty bad scores would decline <laughs> to share
0: that's true uh, so maybe finding a way where they can look up their unique id and yeah. submit it without well yeah, i guess it doesn't matter how they submit it what about the case like right now i'm i'm going to move my video of ourselves so now I'm looking at you, but I'm not looking at the camera, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, is that in your content analysis?
1: So, so the the ones that we're um, the content analysis we're doing will be for not for the recorded lectures that everyone's been doing for the past mm-hmm. year, but the actual traditional lectures. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at we're, we're gonna be studying in real life how much are our professors engaging with the audience versus oh, versus, in, versus not engaging with the audience, oh, so content because because in in face to face communication and face to face lectures, the lecturer goes back and forth between what's on the screen
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and the audience, um, and sometimes it's for reference to so they can remind themselves where they are in the lecture, but other times it's to point at things on the screen and talk the audience talk the students through what's what they're talking about on that slide.
0: So that's interesting because. In person, certainly, like we, we have this shared object. Um, whereas in mediated lectures, pr- not including live composite, you almost never really point. You can't point at the content, right? Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. almost always looking toward toward the audience, but m- maybe you don't have that mutual gaze um, yeah. looking at the camera. I think it's Jaron Lanier, um, who's an early virtual reality researcher, who wrote about the uh, the challenge of not having a camera right where you're looking. And you've mm-hmm. accomplished, you've gotten around that through your teleprompter solution with your Wi-Fi. That's amazing. <laughs> um, the, and- the,
1: the the app is called Space Desk. You, you okay. should get it. It's, it's free. You, you put it on your computer, put it on your phone, connect it, you can use your phone or iPad or ta- other tablet. As a monitor as, for your As space. a monitor. There's a little bit of lag, but it's pretty good
0: yeah yeah um anyway you so were saying yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I think there are ways around it um jeremy Balenson at stanford who runs the vhil lab virtual humans interaction lab um has been talking about this ever since i met him you know 20 almost 20 years ago um as as a real hindrance to social connections and um mutual gaze in vr studies you can do right because you're all in virtual reality so you can kind of manipulate where people's heads are facing Mm -hmm. um and i'm like your solution is a technical solution in hardware Mm -hmm. um but i imagine for things like this there might be technical solutions in software right like what if instead of being represented by myself i'm represented by a photorealistic avatar and then we could do the study very easily where we yeah. tell it like what percentage of the time to look there, to look at the audience or for which people do should I look at them in the moments where maybe they're losing their attention or they're in a different window. Like I look right at them. But for the people who are really paying attention, I, I focus on the content because I don't need
1: that um, mutual gaze to draw them in. That's that's interesting. Um, yes, some somehow you could gauge students' attention and and like correlate it in real time with uh, the the lecturer's style, and then the avatar would automatically update that style mm-hmm. based on the what works for those individual students. So you'd have to have some like eye trackers on the students, and and yeah. and some EEGs attached, and sure. and uh, just just to <laughs> ca- to calibrate the system, you'd have some machine yeah. learning, you'd yeah. you'd, uh, you'd you'd develop that algorithm, and then you'd launch it. Um, and yeah, you'd need. You would need like a really high quality avatar, I think. I think if it's too cartoony or too or like even somehow in the uncanny valley. I think we've gotten past the uncanny valley, haven't we? Uh
0: not in real time, um
1: uh, real time avatars. But, but I mean, like that gets me I, to another question. Go on. I, I was just saying I, I played uh I played Death Stranding. Uh it's the 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 Norman Reedus. Uh you know Norman Reedus, right? No, um, he's the he plays the, the. Um, he's he's in uh, Walking Dead. He's mm-hmm. the, the 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 country boy in Walking Dead. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, he's he's a popular actor. He was in a, a, video game, uh, with uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Do you know Mads Mikkelsen? Okay, okay. Actually, that that name is familiar. But go on. Uh, he plays Hannibal in the. I think it's a Netflix series, Hannibal. Okay. Um, Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. and it's new, and they put so much. I, I think they put the most effort into having pretty photorealistic characters. You should you should check it out. It's absolutely visually stunning the how they did the characters, and all the cutscenes were rendered live, and some of them are getting like super close to real. And it's it's past examples where. Where there's this uncanny valley, I I can imagine what those examples look like. Where there's just something a little bit off about the character, um, it's mm. gotten close to real, but now these these subtle things make it seem weird. They they've done it so well with with Death Stranding, and and they had all the um like the motion trackers on the face and on the body, and and everything was motion tracked. So it's it's like they would with with animation for films, mm-hmm. um, but then they implemented this for. I think they do this with a lot of video games now. But it was absolutely visually stunning yeah. uh, in this. Oh, so, great. so what? So you'd have to you'd have to use Norman Reedus's character <laughs> as your okay. avatar, okay. Um, and, and, and and then it's getting to this point where yeah, I can engage with this person because they feel real. If it's mm-hmm. just a cartoon avatar, um, mm-hmm. you're going to get some psychological distance there, uh, and that might that's be disruptive.
0: True. yeah. That's true. Though, I mean, um, I think there's evidence that social presence can, you can feel social presence um, with cartoonish avatars. Anthropomorphism is important, but realism isn't as important. Um, The Uncanny Valley certainly breaks it. Um, But I wanna jump to a different topic before we go down this avatar path, because I could talk about that for months. Um, It's called Live Composite, but somewhat ironically, it's asynchronous.
1: Yeah, so this, I, I've realized in in my name, in naming it, it's it's not that the video is live, although it can be live. So um, my question is, how could we do this live? Or here, let on? me, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make it live right now. You want, you want, you want to see this? You do. I, I, I can do it while we're chatting. So I'm going to open Sorry up. Sorry
0: to the uh, podcast listeners only. You won't get the full effect. You could jump into this video. I don't know. We're about thirty minutes in. Oh yeah, thirty minutes. We shouldn't go too much longer, uh, so we don't.
1: Let Let me um. Let me open up one of my lecture slides. Yeah, this one will work. Um. All right. So so you you'll get to see some of my lecture content. Let me. So so what I'm doing right now is I'm opening up a PowerPoint presentation. And I'm opening up OBS Studio, which I use. And let me. uh, OBS is a free open source software, right? Yep, yep, free open source software. I don't know why isn't this working.
0: It does video editing, and I guess it does kind of real-time management
1: of your um, video card streams, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, so OBS stands for open broadcaster software. Um, and it, it's it's a tool f- that broadcasters can use to create like these transitions in in broadcasts and I don't no, why isn't this working? Um, oh, I know why. Maybe. Oh, I know exactly why. I need to. All right, so I'm gonna turn off my camera for just a minute. No worries. And, then you... and uh, yeah yeah I mean if if you're listening to this you completely don't care about that. No. Yeah, if you're and listening
0: to... and you want to watch it jump about 30 minutes in yeah. um if you find the video on the website maybe you don't care to Let's see Sunny's amazing mullet picture.
1: Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You're looking at, you're looking at this now. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I guess you're
0: going to change your video stream to the OBS stream.
1: So le- le- let me, I'm going to share my screen really quickly because I have OBS open right now. So mm-hmm. let me, can I share? Yeah, cool. So I'm going to share over here. Uh, yeah. So this is my OBS window right mm-hmm. now. Let me move this over here. Okay. This is my OBS window. And what I have is, Uh, Over on, so my OBS window is over here on my left screen. I've got screens everywhere. And behind me, I have a full screen PowerPoint presentation. So I can, like, this is from one of my classes on stats. And and I can, under tools, go to virtual cam. And I can start this. Okay. And now I can go back into, uh, okay, stop sharing. So now I go back into Zoom and I turn on OBS camera. So, right. so that so is now your seeing source. you
0: changed it from your Logitech C230 or whatever it is to yeah, this yeah. source. And, and so this got... source is now using OBS. So OBS has control of your Logitech is what you're saying.
1: Uh, so my so my Logitech is the camera source in OBS Studio. In OBS
0: now. Okay, and then I have
1: cool. my slides uh, laid over the top of me. And then I made the slide background transparent. Now you can see there's a little bit of borders uh, around around some of the letters. Just a little uh, bit. Just a little bit. Now, normally, the it's because the slide background is this. I try to match it to the color of the back wall. Normally, the back wall is much more illuminated, so you wouldn't see that border. Because yeah, what it's doing sense. is that the letters are being rasterized, and so you yeah. get these rough edges. Um, what, if you anyway, a vir- I,
0: what if you have a virtual background like me right now? You just um, needed to match that color of that virtual yeah, background, yeah. which you yeah, still-
1: so I. I I, I could make the the background, but if I'm gonna do that, I might as well just go with a green screen approach because I could make this content the bottom layer. Right now, the the slide content is the top layer. You can see I'm you can see I'm behind it. Yeah. Right. Oh, and mm-hmm. you're also seeing my slides on moderation effects. Oh. Um mm. mm-hmm. uh, feel free to use this content for your own lectures. All right, so I'm gonna go back to my normal. Video. let me close I this. see so you
0: could make it your bottom layer because the whole thing thing is digital anyway yeah uh, hmm. my
1: but
0: okay, I, I, I don't know how I would I don't know if you can with a virtual background I don't know if you could make it a live feed from another video source do you know what I mean like uh, like zoom allows you to do virtual backgrounds that are either still images or videos but they don't, as far as I can tell.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But you can, so you would set this all up in in OBS because OBS, you can do the same background effects as Zoom. So in oh, OBS, you would create a video layer. Oh, um, so, I see. So, it'd be, so you'd have the video as one layer, then you would remove the background and then you could add the slide content behind you.
0: And it's the whole slide. So then that's behind you. So then...
1: But what I like about... What I've created when when with the correct uh lighting, the the it's seamless. If you watch my videos, it looks like it's just kind of there next to me and it's a very seamless presentation. When you do these virtual backgrounds, there's this rough edge around you. Yeah. And and this this is why I, I didn't even want to do a green screen, even with a good green screen and a nice camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so my webcam, nah, it wouldn't be very good with green screen. My main camera is 4K, beautiful image sensor. That's still, it's you still have these effects with the edges. Um, mm-hmm. And it, if you have hair, if you have a mullet, like you know, how does the how does the mullet get get green screened out? So, so even then, you have you have these problems. It's much easier to green screen, you know, quote unquote, green screen out the slide background, that's what I'm doing. I'm using the same green screen tool, but instead of removing my background, I remove the slide background. Mm-hmm. And in general, the, the images on slides are much have much more defined edges. So it's easier to get a clean image that way than vice versa. What's also cool is I have just my normal background as the video background. Yeah. And if I have a nice space where I can have my slide content, it's this nice effect. It's just it looks the slide like content magic. is with me. Yeah. So yeah if, if you're interested in learning about this um, yeah check out my check out my YouTube channel lecture size check
0: it out check out the uh, paper that Sunny has published. Um, check out future projects from dr. Rosenthal because they're in, in certainly uh, going to be really interesting and cool and cutting edge technology. Um, and what else? I don't know. I mean, you could check out this podcast video. I will be rough around the edges um, as I always am. <laughs> but maybe one day I will learn to uh, to smooth things out. Um, sounds like there's a bit of a, the investment, just to summarize then for myself and then for anyone who's kind yeah. of peaked in terms of interest. Um, the investment in time is not not too large, actually. You can do this on your own, but you need a monitor on the side. So you've got to have um uh, like at least two machines um you not, need
1: not, a- not, not not even two machines i, I do this with one computer mm-hmm. and just oh, one monitor, video. Put a monitor yeah, yeah, yeah. so monitor. yeah so so two monitors you need a two mm-hmm. monitor setup and then you can use a smartphone if you want to get a teleprompter <clears throat> this teleprompter is like 80 bucks okay. uh, us um if you want to if you want to do the teleprompter thing all you need is a an extra sc- So uh, the teleprompter right? goes in front of your camera. No, it mounts onto the camera yet, yeah, and it, it's meant for like DSLRs or mirrorless or mm-hmm. camcorders where there's a filter ring where you can screw on the attachment. So it's mounted to the lens. It wouldn't work very well with a webcam, but I bet there are teleprompters made for webcams. So you said wait, you put your effect. phone in it. I didn't fully understand that. Yeah, like, I'm gonna.
0: I'm gonna. literally put your phone in the teleprompter, or you're so... porting your phone screen.
1: This is my. Here, let me let me angle this up so you can see what oh. I'm doing. So here's the teleprompter. I put oh, because it's max.
0: a mirror. And wow, it, mirrors are it's amazing. It's like that. And <laughs> what an
1: amazing technology. Okay. <laughs> the <Paris>. mirror. <laughs> it's like it's like magnets. How do they work? <laughs> you get that reference? Uh, no, insane clown posse. Oh, really? You you, got to watch their, 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 listen to their song Miracles. Okay. They they talk about how magnets are miracles (laughs) Ah. because they don't understand how they work. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Um, Okay, so your phone
0: goes there and then you get your content because it's on a mirror for a teleprompter, which you could put in front of your webcam.
1: Why, why can't I just hang it from my laptop cam? Like there's gotta be some sort of telecom thing. I, I'm pretty sure there are. If, if you look online, I am pretty sure someone's come up with these solutions. With COVID-19, a lot more people are working from home. And it's so nice to be able to like have a converse, an eye-to-eye conversation with someone. Exactly. I, but I, I how this. are you doing this right now? You're looking I'm, at- I'm just looking at the webcam. I've trained myself to look at the webcam when I'm talking to people. To not look at the, to, to, your to screen. Look, yeah, yeah. Uh. Or to not look at myself. Um, if if I'm not talking, like half the time, I'm looking at the screen. I'm just looking at myself.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, all right. Well, Sunny, thank you so much. This was really informative and exciting. Um, I hope we can, you know, continue our collaborations on this topic and others. Uh, but we can save those projects for another day this has informed me a bit about the study I'm not doing with you, but also related to instructor social presence. Um, but as a function of, um, including feedback mechanisms in real-time lectures or in synchronous or asynchronous, sorry, um, lectures with video posting, we've talked a bit about that. I don't want to go into that because we're kind of, I think, I think 40 minutes is
1: a good amount of time, but is there anything you'd like to conclude? Go ahead. I was just gonna maybe we could uh, do another one of these in a year and and talk about what new things we've done. That was great. Yeah, that's, Any, that's anything you want to
0: conclude with, or
1: oh yeah, yeah one one more thing. I have another article uh, that's in press at Technology Pedagogy and Education. It also looks at uh, instructor social presence and just just a quick. Uh, quick summary of that i think is an interesting study my undergraduate students did it i supervised their project and got a publication in a pretty good journal um so you know props to undergrads of the we can we school of communication and information uh but but they found that so they manipulated social presence with vocal variation in voiceover lectures and there was a, a a fairly monotonous Presentation of video lecture content, and then there was you know much more vocal variation, and they found that vocal variation is more important for unstructured content, things that are interpretive and you have to discuss them, versus structured content, things like uh, presentation of facts and and typically the way like the hard sciences are presented tends to be more structured, the the soft sciences and um, and the humanities tend to be uh, have be less structured, and so having High social presence, instructor social presence, matters more for the less structured content. That's something we found, and it's matters it's more for what outcome? For oh yeah yeah sorry for um for learner satisfaction. So mm. so the the students feel like they had a better learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what, when there's more instructor social presence, um, learning there's satisfaction an increases with type. But yeah. but yeah, with the type, so it's even more important for the unstructured content. And so t- to those of you who are in uh, you know, communication research, uh, a lot of what we teach is unstructured. Some of the discussions we have about the phenomena we study. And yeah, it's important to have lots of vocal variation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's, that, that's it, just a little. You know, uh, I think
0: that comes back to the point you made earlier about how, um, even if you're not changing learning in the class, by making your educational experiences more entertaining and engaging you're perhaps motivating future learning you're um, just getting people excited about the process of learning Mm. and i i really strive for that as well that's why i ride the skateboard that's why i make up silly
1: raps and stuff like that so we're totally on the same wavelength about that yeah man yeah man well, thanks for having me on here, Robbie. This was this was a really nice chat. I'm glad I got to share some of the stuff I'm doing. I'm glad I got to show you in on video of how some of this stuff works. And if you've made it this far in the podcast, definitely check out the video because it's obvious you're interested in what we're talking about. So thank, thank you all for listening in. Thanks for having me, Robbie. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for coming, Sonny. See you next time. See ya.